0: Welcome to the Fortune Management Practice Mastery Podcast. Each episode, we bring you powerful conversations with thought leaders in the dental, veterinary, optometry, and medical industries. At Fortune Management, we coach doctors and teams to have an extraordinary practice and an extraordinary life. I'm Kim McGuire, host of the Practice Mastery Podcast. In this episode, I'm featuring Fortune Management Coach Don Corey. These days, we are all stretched for time. Don, a Fortune Management Coach in the Boston and New York areas, is an expert on personal productivity. Today, he shares with us the myth of multitasking and the myth of time management, and some tips to get your beliefs and mindset into a place where you can make the most of your time. And now, enjoy my conversation with Dawn. Welcome, Dawn Corey, to the show. Thank you, Kim. I am thrilled
1: to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: You bet. I'm super excited to have you on. You're part of our Superstar Coaches series. I like to highlight different coaches across the country within Fortune that have different skill sets and you came to us about six years ago, already with an extensive coaching background, and you've just brought so much to, to Fortune and, and to your clients there in the East Coast, in the Boston and New York area. So, so welcome. I'm excited to talk to you.
1: Thank you so much, Kim. Thanks for that great intro. It's, it's great to be here, great to be with Fortune and helping dentists and teams all around the, the Northeast get better. Absolutely. So why don't you
0: tell our listeners a little bit about how you came to Fortune?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. You know, my background is actually in software development. And so in early 2000s, the vice chairman of our company was speaking to a group of senior leaders, and he said, I see it as a failure of our company when we have to hire leaders from outside. And so that was a very clear message to all of us in the room. It's your job to develop the next generation of leaders. So, hey, the vice chairman of the company is asking us to do that. I took that pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. And so I learned as much as I could about leadership development and effective communication and building high-performing teams. And I have teams all around the globe from Boston to Bangalore and Paris to Dallas and getting them to work together to develop, to, to deliver software. Right. So cool. the more I did that kind of work, the more I enjoyed that as much as I did the technology. And so I left the corporate world and, and pursued a full-time career in executive coaching. And around that same time, my wife came to me. And by the way, I'm married to a dentist for those that don't know. <laughs> yep. And and she came to me and said, Hey, Don, you know, my practice is kind of hitting a plateau can you help me? Maybe if I'm a better leader, if I can build a better team or a more high performing team. Maybe we can break through. And so we had some successes there. And I got to the point where I said, you know, there are other companies that have expertise in this area. Let's reach out to them now. And that's when I ran across you first, Kim, actually, you were yeah. the first person at Fortune I met and then and then Bernie. And And not only do we bring Fortune on, but I bought the franchise, yes. so here I am. And so it's been great to have you, and you've really done
0: an awesome job of building up a lot of the, the markets there in the, the Northeast. Tell us a little bit about what do you see happening in the dental industry today? What do you see some of the changes and advancements?
1: Well, first of all, I think dentistry is a great profession, right? U- U.S. News & World Report ranks dentist as either number one or they're near the number one is one of the top professions in the US every year, right? Based on their satisfaction and um, fulfillment and compensation and lifestyle and all of those things. And so it's just a great place to be. I mean, the, the other thing that I'm amazed at when you really think about it is dentistry saves lives, right? Because there's more data every year about the connection between periodontal disease and other diseases of the body like heart disease. So when dentists keep their patients' mouths healthy, they're really keeping them healthy overall. And I think as coaches, we kind of just ride on their backs. So mm-hmm. I like to say, yeah, I sure. save people's lives too, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So I think I think dentistry is just a, a great place to be right now. And and that's evident by the unemployment rate in dentistry is close to zero. And so if you want a job there, you've got a job there. And that's my thoughts on it, that this is a great place to be. It's exciting
0: times and the advancement in technology and the landscape is shifting. And I also think it's important for us to yeah, acknowledge um, how we're growing our, our practices by having them have multi-specialty or multi-location, having more doctors under one roof, taking advantage of all the investments in technology. So lots of fun stuff. Yeah. I think
1: you've, I think you've got to be on that, uh, you got to be in that space. You got to stay up with technology, and you got to have uh, you got to have tools like Seric in your practice. And you have to continue to invest. and in, And actually, it's a great investment right now. I mean, you, you can look at other investments, and it's something else that interests me. And when you really come down to it, one of the best investments you can make is in yourself and in your business. And so, keeping up with the technology is a must too. Patients want that. They expect it. Exactly. They do.
0: So, Don, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is because I see you as a thought leader or an expert, whatever you want to call it, in this mysterious thing called time management. So I definitely wanted to dive into that. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges that are facing doctors and teams in private practice today?
1: So, um, well, so first of all, let's talk about time management. So, time management i think is is a misnomer in a way because time passes whether we're managing it or not and you know so what what this this really is about it's about personal productivity and i'm so glad you asked about this topic kim because uh, as you know i think i am passionate about it and a student of personal productivity and how can how to continue to make that even better for people right so Uh, As knowledge workers, which we all are as coaches, and that just simply means someone who uses their mental power versus their physical power, uh, knowledge worker productivity is getting a lot of focus right now. So if you think about it in the manufacturing age, it was about improving productivity of the manual worker. Now it's about improving productivity of the knowledge worker. And, And dentists and dental teams, those are knowledge workers too. They're kind of a combination, right, because they use their manual power and their mental power to uh, get their work done.
0: So knowledge workers. So, so we're moving into this age of knowledge workers. So we're, we're less physically, we're not using our hands as much or using, you know, an assembly line, but we've really moved into that. So who actually coined that term? Who was the,
1: where did this term come from? That was Peter Drucker, one of the great management thinkers of, of our time who just passed away a few years ago. And so he coined that all the way back in 1969. And one of the things he said was, you know, the greatest uh, accomplishment of management in the 19th century was to improve the productivity of manual workers. And our great challenge ahead in the 20th and moving into the 21st century of management is to improve the productivity of knowledge workers.
0: Great. I love it. I love it. So yes, I, I agree with you that time management is is a little bit of a myth, although it's a term that people understand. So let's talk a little bit about personal productivity. What are some ways that doctors and teams can increase their personal productivity?
1: Well, you know, one one real interesting area is this concept of multitasking, right? And I'll even call it the myth of multitasking. I love to ask people, do you multitask? Yeah, I'm great at multitasking. <laughs> Well, there have actually been some, and you kind of know where I'm heading, I can tell, right? Yeah. So, there are uh, some interesting studies in this space. So, Stanford did a study a few years ago where they looked at a group of people that were media multitaskers. So, they were doing multiple things at once. And they compared that to a group of people focusing on one thing at a time. And they looked at three areas how will they pay attention? How will they remember? How will they learn? And what they found was every time the group that was focusing on one task at a time outperformed the self-proclaimed multitaskers. And so while we think that multitasking is actually helping us and improving our productivity, it's actually decreasing our productivity. Wow.
0: So this isn't about, yeah. you know making lunches and emptying the dishwasher in the morning. This is about real knowledge-focused multitasking.
1: Yeah, and and it's easy to fall into the trap because interruptions are at an all-time high. We have more information and more interruptions coming at us now than ever before. And so it's easy to fall into that trap of multitasking. And you're right, this is thought-focused. This is like, you know what a great example of it is that I think people can relate to? Driving and texting. Mm, that's yes. like the worst case of multitasking <laughs> you can think of right you can't do it and you know the, the numbers show that as well so
0: so how do you suggest then that doctors and teams and folks listening to this eliminate multitasking what's some tips that they can incorporate in their
1: life well i i would say it's as straightforward as Focus on one thing, one thing at a time. Block out the interruptions. Mm-hmm. Get focused time. And now some of it is interruption driven, right? I get that. So it's it's how you handle it. Think about it this way. Think about um, your mind like water. This is this actually comes from the martial arts, right? So if you picture at six o'clock in the morning, a very smooth lake, right? It's not moving at all. Sure. Throw in a pebble. And the the lake reacts perfectly appropriately to that pebble, which is a few ripples and back to calm, Mm -hmm. right? Now, someone else comes along and throws a big boulder in, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what happens? The lake acts, again, perfectly appropriately, which is a lot more waves and a lot more splashes and ultimately back to calm. So we want the, the metaphor here is our minds can be like that, too. So that we're good at handling the appropriate pebble-size interruptions and the boulder-size interruptions. But we handle those and then can refocus and get back to clear mind, mind-like water, uh, and focusing on what we're doing, focusing on one thing at a time.
0: Absolutely. So when we have thoughts that come into our head, let's say we're doing some sort of a task, whether it's um, you know somebody, an administrative team member doing a task or a doctor with a patient and something comes into their mind, do you suggest that they have a pad of paper nearby where they can take a break and write something down? What, what do you suggest people do with those thoughts that come into their mind that they don't want to forget?
1: Well, that's certainly a best practice, right, is get it off your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, get it into a system that you trust you're going to follow up on. So a great example of a system that you trust, most of us trust, is our calendar, Right? So if I ask you, hey, Kim, what are you doing at one o'clock next Tuesday? You, you, I don't know. I get to look at my calendar, right? Because right. mm-hmm. you're trusting that your calendar is going to tell you what to do and where to be at the right time. And so you don't have to keep it in your head. When we yes. don't trust the rest of our system, then we end up keeping it in our in our head. And uh, our mind can only hold a certain number of things. So, David Allen, one of the leading productivity gurus of our time, he says, "I like the way he captures that." He says, "There's an inverse proportion between on your mind and getting it done." So, get it off your mind mm-hmm. into a system you trust. That, yes, that's one one key thing. We, you know, and that's I think for for doctors and, and teams. And the other tip I would I would offer doctors perhaps is to become masterful at delegating. Their time, doctor's times in a million dollar practice is worth six hundred and fifty dollars an hour. Yes, yeah, sir. Sure. So you want to leverage that as much as possible and you want to leverage your team as much as possible by having a really good leadership process in place that you can get the right things to the right people in a way you know they're gonna follow up on it and get it done. And yes, as delegating. we teach it, fortune, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we, as we teach it, fortune, it's, it's a practice of leaders, leading leaders.
0: Absolutely. Delegating is one of those things I think we all could, you know, I'm looking at myself. I could be delegating more as well. So what is some great systems for delegating in a dental practice?
1: Well, certainly that leadership process, right? So having a set of, uh, team leaders in place, or we call them source people in place to lead the different departments that Mm -hmm. you can hand off, uh, the, the right tasks at the right time. And, and, you know, great book on, on delegating by Ken Blanchard back in the early nineties, I think is, uh, the one minute manager, right? So Mm -hmm. he talks about just a very simple way to delegate and get uh, get items uh, into the the right person. You know, there's another interesting thing about delegating, too, that leaders sometimes don't think about, uh, because it's not only about getting it off your plate, but another interesting thing that has showed up in some recent research is that they do it to also grow their people right so it's one thing to get it off your plate and have someone else help but the other advantage of delegating is it's an opportunity to develop someone else and stretch them and get them to do more so when when doctors and leaders and our doctors are leaders right when they're thinking about that that's another great benefit
0: yeah that's awesome it's always one of the things i'm constantly talking about with my teams and even on this show, that when you believe in someone more than they believe in themselves, they rise to the occasion. So challenging them, like you said, pushing them out of their comfort zone, they grow and learn. And then sometimes what I've seen is superstars within the practice grow and develop so much that maybe they even you know create another income stream for the practice, or they develop some new program that the doctor either didn't have on their radar or didn't think was possible because they were focused on on their patient care. So I, I completely agree right. with that. Our right. sourcing and accountability program is it works it works when you work it right. So that that's the other thing I see when 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 doctors don't follow up, um, don't follow up. Then after they've delegated something, then what happens? You know what happens when they don't follow up? It's it, then the team sees. Well, doctor asked me to do this, but he or she didn't didn't follow up. So it must not be that important.
1: Right. Exactly. That brings up that brings up an interesting point about getting creative, right? Which is coming up with some new solutions and new ideas and and it's it happens naturally when you get to that clear mind, that mind like water. So when you're not thinking about, you know, call Bill or email Sue or check on this patient or because you've got that all in a trusted system, you're not thinking about kind of those turn the crank tasks, if you will. It's Freeze up your mind to automatically start thinking at those higher horizons, right? Like, what are my goals? How are we going to grow this practice? What's next for us? How do we make things better for our patients? How do we provide that wow patient experience and really take it to the next level? And that starts to happen very naturally when you're not thinking about buying nails at the hardware store or, you know, whatever it is, those dead, dead batteries in your flashlight. <laughs> Exactly. And we do, we start thinking about, <laughs> you know, you have them, right? You, bet.
0: you know, you have those <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. I've got some light bulbs I need to replace. that can come into my mind, but it is true. Even if you're in flow with the patient or, or, or with when we're coaching you'll think of things and so if you've got that trusted place to put them even using I've got some of my clients that use those hardbound journals that we give to them with Fortune's logo yeah. on it if you keep everything in here and then keep referencing it you know too many times I see that they have too many different inboxes or too many different you know they have their notes on their phone and then they have this notebook and then they have this sticky note it's got to be in one place like you said that trusted yes. place
1: yeah. Yes, and here's what makes it trusted. By the way, if you want, if you want me to talk a little bit about that. Here's what sure. makes it trusted, because it's it's very easy to write something down uh, in a system and then not refer back to it. And when you start not referring back to it, then your mind is not going to let go of it. It's going to creep back up into your mind because it kind of knows in your subconscious that. Uh, that you're not really trusting yourself to look back there. So what keeps it trusted is keeping it active and reviewing it on a regular, like weekly basis to keep it up to date. And that's a best practice that some of our most productive leaders do as well. And our most productive doctors is they keep their system current by saying, okay, you know, let me review. I've done these things these new items have emerged. Here's what's showing up on my calendar. Here's what's passed. And when you are reviewing that on a regular basis, that's what makes it trusted. That's what keeps it all together.
0: So do you have tips then for us to when a best time would be for a doctor to review this? Is it before the huddle? Is it in the evening before they go to bed? what do you suggest there?
1: I would suggest it, it, you know, so there's certainly a daily review. I think you're kind of getting to a daily review. I, I'm a morning person. I think it may differ for me for each person, but yeah, I, I would love the idea of a daily review in the morning, which would be what's kind of hard landscaped on my calendar today on my schedule today. When am I seeing patients and, and when may I have some time to refer back to my trusted system to get to knock off some of those things that I do like here's, Here's a very simple example. And then I'll talk about the weekly review. Here's a very simple example is I have a list, for example, just for phone calls. So when when I'm in the car driving, like from Boston to New York or wherever, Mm -hmm. even within Boston, and, you know, I can really the only thing I can do at that moment, because I'm not texting, is (laughs) um, picking up the phone and Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm making a phone call, right? So one list. And the numbers are all there and I just click it and the phone's smart enough to, when I click on the phone number, to dial the phone number, right? So that wouldn't be possible if I didn't have that in a trusted place, if I didn't have that on one list where I can make all my phone calls and bing, bing, bing. It's like you, you want to get it down to as simple as like cranking widgets. Have you ever had a cranking widgets job, Kim? Do you know what I mean by that? No. Tell
0: me. Tell me more.
1: Yeah. So one of my first jobs was grading eggs, if you can believe that. Oh. So, but I don't know, I was like 16 years old. So the, you know, the eggs just don't end up in the large and extra large and jumbo containers in the supermarket. There's some, you know, poor young kid in the, in the back oh. actually, actually doing that. So we used to come yes. in and there would be all these, you know, uncleaned eggs and then we would put them on the, we'd clean them off, put them on this conveyor belt, the conveyor belt would weigh them. And then come to, they would come down the other side in the appropriate bin, extra large, large, or jumbo. I see what you mean. So
0: a job like that. Now I'm trying to think. I, w- I did, you know, I waited tables. I worked at a ski store. So I did lots of jobs like that, but not ever an assembly line job like you're talking about.
1: Yeah, kind of an assembly line where we're not using our – it's not knowledge worker, right? We're not using our knowledge to move things forward. Maybe a little bit I started thinking about how to make the process better because that's just, I guess, even in the way <laughs> my you mind are. was working back then. <laughs> sure. So, so, but, but generally, you know, you walk out of there cranking widgets and you're done. So if you get your list, your knowledge work list down to cranking widgets, like my phone call list. Mm-hmm. I've already thought about ahead of time who I need to call and what the purpose of the call is. So I'm just clicking call, I'm cranking widgets, I'm grading mm-hmm. eggs, right? So that's, um, that's what you want to get it down to. So that's a little bit when the doctor's looking or the team members and especially the admins are looking at their list. They can crank these these things out.
0: So you've got yeah, you've got your daily list, and then
1: tell me about your yeah. weekly review. Yeah. So then the weekly review, I think the best time for that. You were asking about the best time is like a Friday morning or even a Thursday afternoon, where you're really doing three things. You're getting really clear again about everything that you need to be focused on. You're updating your lists and getting very current mm-hmm. about. What's on the list, what the projects are, what the next actions are. And then it gives you an opportunity to get creative as well. As I said before, once you get those actions handled, then you can uh, free up your mind to get creative. And I like that time because, first of all, you're getting really clear for the weekend, right? So mm-hmm. you go into the weekend, and guess what? You can be present for who you want to be present for. Yes. And you're not thinking about, gee, did I get that done? Or I forgot to do that, right? You're you're going to be really present. And it's also an opportunity before the week closes out, maybe to follow up on some things that you weren't able to follow up on or that someone didn't get back to you on, right? That's That's another great list, by the way, that I would encourage doctors and teams to have is something called the waiting list right? Because how many times maybe were you waiting for someone to get back to you and they didn't get back to you and then that held up your own work or your deliverable to someone else. So the weekly review is a great place to catch those items that you're waiting on for someone else.
0: Yes, I love those ideas. And are those David Allen concepts? I mean, they sound pretty universal, but doesn't he teach a lot of that in
1: getting things done? Yeah, this this does come from David Allens. I mentioned him earlier and the weekly review is his concept and the waiting list is his concept. Yeah, absolutely. So
0: I was just going to say, I love the weekly review. Um, on Friday, I completely agree. It helps me be more present with my kids and my family and everyone or or myself, um, taking time for myself on the weekend. Or if there is something I do want to do over the weekend, I know what that is, but then I don't have it. Like you said, monkeying around in my mind so I think Uh doctors when they really take that day that they don't see patients but that they're still working to work on some of these areas it really can free them up for when they are seeing patients
1: yes yes absolutely
0: so Don we've got a couple of areas you've suggested we've got the myth of multitasking that you really helped us understand how that really is a myth and you need to focus on one area at a time we've got delegating which is a great suggestion we've got to be delegating more. We've got our weekly and daily review. Is there anything else that you'd like to suggest to doctors and teams on how they can be more productive?
1: Oh, the, the other thing I would add is that, and, and this is also a David Allen concept, so I'll share that as well, which is um, there's three types of work, right, that face us. One is doing defined work, right? So doing predefined work, it's in our trusted system. We've already defined it ahead of time. Two is defining the work. So that's actually an important piece is that we don't do enough is actually define Mm -hmm. the work that we're going to do. And then the third is ad hoc work. And this is the stuff that's coming at us throughout the day. And I think, so another tip is mastering dealing with that ad hoc work. What's really important now and what's not important now that can be deferred. Okay,
0: so that that ad hoc work is sort of that work as it appears. Talk to me a little bit about email. How do you handle email? How do you suggest handling email?
1: Yeah, so first of all, I would set times aside during the day to keep up with email. Uh, I would also suggest that you get your inbox. So your inbox is not a reference system. It's a collection bucket that You need to process and decide what to do. So getting your inbox down to zero in your inbox daily is the best case. And the worst case, weekly uh, is another best practice. And then there's, again, a processing component here, which is deciding what to do about the email. And here's a great, just another tip that that we love to share, which is the two-minute rule. If you can do something in two minutes or less when it crosses your desk, do it, get it done or crosses your email because uh, it's going to take you more time to record it and track it and follow up on it than it is to just do it. If it's a bigger task than that, then get it into your trusted system and follow up with it at the right time. Not everything needs to be done right now.
0: Oh, I love that two minute rule. I need to, re- I,
1: thank you for the reminder. <laughs> I can yeah, use that. You're <laughs> welcome. You're welcome. And I had one guy, I remember he came up to me he said, Don, I get like 300 emails a day. That's going to be, you know, if I do that, that's like eight hours. That's my eight hour day right there. And I said, well, not every email is going to take you two minutes, right? It's, some of them are delete, 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 right? How many emails of those do we get? So be, yeah. so be, get comfortable with delete. Yes. That's another uh, email tip.
0: Exactly. I love it. I love it. Boy, you've given us some really awesome tips that I know people will be able to use. I always love to talk to our guests a little bit about them personally and kind of what makes them tick. So what's been some great personal or professional advice that you've received in the past?
1: You know, that's a great question Um, Two, So two things come to mind on that. One is, you know, I look at successful people and how they accomplish goals and the ones that always seem to be moving closer to what they want and accomplishing their goals and I think they do two things really effectively. Number one is they manage their state, their own emotional state every day. They show up in a peak state every day um, the best they can. Right? So they're, they're really good at that. And they're also really good at having compelling reasons why compelling reasons behind their goals. Cause that's what drives us, right? It's not writing down the goal and, and having it. And it's important to have it be specific and measurable and all of that. And you've got to have a compelling reason behind it. So managing your state and compelling reasons, that's what's going to help you really accomplish your goal. Awesome. I love it. The other piece of advice I got very early in my corporate career developing when I was working with software development teams is I remember a manager said to me, you know, when you have great relationships with your customers, big problems become small problems. And when you have weak relationships with your customers, small problems become big problems. Very
0: interesting. So it is so much about relationships. And we at Fortune are all about the relationships, of course, with our teams and our clients, and then of course our teams with their patients. So that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Tell me, do you have any favorite quotes? We always love great quotes around Fortune, don't we? What's some quotes that you like?
1: We do, we do. Um so I have a couple that, I, that, that come to mind. Um, one, you know, we, we Muhammad Ali, we just lost mm-hmm. him a few months ago. And mm-hmm. so there are some really cool quotes from him. And this one jumps out at me, which is, impossible is just a big word thrown around by small men who find it easier to live in a world they've been given than to explore the power they have to change it. Mm-hmm. Impossible is not a fact. It's an opinion. Impossible is not a declaration, it's a dare. Impossible is potential, impossible is temporary, impossible is nothing. So that that, that was really cool. Very powerful, Lee. yes. I'll put that in the show in notes the other... mm-hmm, so
0: people can okay, really cool, take a look
1: cool. at that. Mm-hmm. And the other one, a U.S. writer uh, who all, we also lost in June of this year, Alan Toffler and And I think this is really powerful about where we are in the 21st century. He said, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read or write. Rather, it will be those who cannot learn, unlearn and relearn. Very interesting.
0: I have not heard that one. That's that's great. It's all about lifelong learning, right? Yes. And one, yes. of course, we know with the six human needs growth and contribution when you're growing, you're you're happier, you're feeling more fulfilled. And that includes learning. That's terrific. I love it. Thank you, Dawn, for those. What can our listeners put into action today that you'd recommend? What What could people start like tomorrow to be more productive?
1: You know, you said you said something great just a few minutes ago, which is become a lifelong learner. I'm a lifelong learner. I I love to learn and and uh, invest in yourself. Invest in knowledge. Read great books, right? Yes. So I would suggest that. The other I would suggest is get a great coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the best performers in the world have a coach, right? Tom Hanks has a coach, and Steve Jobs had a coach. Tom Brady has a coach. I'm a coach, and I have. A couple coaches, actually. Kim, I know you're a great coach and you have a coach. <laughs> I so certainly do. Get a great coach. Yes. I used to say get a coach and then someone corrected me and said, well, don't you really mean get a great coach? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I <laughs> mean. Get a great
0: coach. For sure. And when we, of course, walk our talk, we have coaches coaching us, great coaches coaching us and always learning. And you mentioned books and always learning. So do you have a favorite book that you want to share with our listeners?
1: Oh man, there are so many. How much more time do I we know, have? I know, right? There <laughs> are so many. You know, one that comes to mind in the leadership space, which I think is really cool, is, is "Adaptive Leadership" by Ron Heifetz. Mm. And it's it's uh, he's a Harvard professor and Harvard Business School, and he is uh, that that's a great book. There's a really interesting story he tells, and there are a metaphor about being on the balcony. So he He talks about a dance floor, right, and we're kind of if you think about it, our work and our life is we're on the dance floor and we're dancing and What he says in the book, and he supports it in a number of ways, is what you also have to do effectively as a leader is at the same time you're on the dance floor, you need to be in the balcony watching yourself and adjusting and like almost giving yourself tips and advice while you're dancing so pretty powerful. And he he has, he's got quite a lot of stories to support that in the book. I'm
0: going to have to check that out. Thank you for that, that book recommendation. What I love about that metaphor is that that's really what a great coach can do. You know, you're on the dance floor, you're out there on stage or whatever, and a great coach can tell you how you're occurring or can show you what, you know, reflect back to you, what you're doing in the world and how you're occurring to other people. And then I think as you grow in your own personal development, you learn to be able to see that. So that's awesome. It's really great. Yeah. Really, really great. Well, Don Corey, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for all of your knowledge. Um, we just, we just love having you be a part of our team and you're doing such great work with your, your clients out there in the Boston and New York area. So thank you for who you are.
1: Thank you, Kim. This podcast is amazing. It's been great to listen to all of the folks that you've interviewed so far. And I know you've got some really cool podcasts coming up and it's it's an honor to be in that mix. So thank you for all the work you do as well.
0: Thank you for listening to the Practice Mastery Podcast. For more information on fortune management and to find an event in your area, please visit fortunemgmt.com.